0: Welcome to the Youth Sports Parenting Tribe. I'm your host, Hernán Chosa, former tennis player and father of two boys involved in the sport. What can you find here? Thought leaders, psychologists, authors, former athletes, coaches, agents and others share that knowledge and wisdom to help us become super parents. As Jim Rome used to say, for things to change, we have to change. Welcome to The Tribe. Today our guest is Javier Palenque, a global business consultant at Tennis Service, growth and family business expert, change leader and mentor. He's also a writer, thousands read his LinkedIn articles, fashion photography practitioner, creative soul and life lover, Javier Welcome to the tribe. Gracias,
1: Ednan. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to, to have this moment and hopefully more people can listen to different
0: points of view. So ask me anything you want. Thanks, Javier. You studied in Spanish uh, and I panic, but then you switch to English. And the story behind today's guest, back in 2018, he came to Argentina for a couple of days and... The former president at that moment was running for the re-election. And as soon as he stepped into my car, he said, this guy can't be reelected. It's impossible. And I said, what? And he said, I listened to two taxi drivers. It's impossible that Mauricio Macri can win the election. There was no clue at that moment that he won't win. And he lost by 10 points. So at that moment, I said... I have to listen more to Javier because he's a wise guy. And my first question is, how you get that knowledge of understanding different cultures, different countries, and being in that place?
1: My job takes me all over the world. So I advise people very high in the economic scale and very low in the economic scale. And one thing I've learned because when I go visit somebody, it's for a short period of time. So I learned how to meticulously listen. Now, it's very easy to say listen, but most people can't listen because most people listen to rebuttal. So the moment they try to interrupt you or the moment they say something, they're really trying to validate what they believe they know. So these travels have allowed me to shut up To be humble, be quiet, and listen, and then understand what it is that is happening. That is why, whenever I go to a business, I can tell you how the culture is just by how I see people walk. Because if you pay attention how people walk in a business, you can tell they're rushed, they're not, there's urgency, there's not, they're slow, they're not. You can tell a lot just by observing. So in my experience by observing i was able to put together things that most people probably can't see and i'm able to understand what it is that is trying to be communicated and then i ask the relevant questions and then i can tell you with a high degree of certainty what
0: the problem is yeah how people walk and to listen this is more a coaching episode And he also mentioned to me six months ago about Javier Millet, who got elected president here in Argentina. And what does he bring to the table? Javier Millet is the
1: epitome of hope. Because he comes at a time where Latin America is into the socialist paradigm, but the socialism is not really socialism, it's just a group of people that try to take over a government or a country, and then they do whatever they want with it, like a little mafia. They don't have ideas. So they traffic in ignorance. Javier Millet actually had to break the cultural war, which he did, fighting on TV, and at the same time he got to do something that nobody can do. Since he's a professor, he knows how to speak to young people. Because he's a professor, he knows what to say when and how to capture their attention. He also knows that their attention span of young people is very small. At the same time, he has so much knowledge to convey that he has to be able in, I don't know how long the classes are, 45 minutes, one hour, you have to be able to convey a message and a lesson based on how people learn. So what he did is he did exactly what I'm sure he does in his classes, went on TV, spoke, and the people that actually mocked him and laughed at him didn't quite understand what he was doing. But all the young people could understand that their hopes and dreams actually depend on being free. And that's how he was able to get people to listen to him, get young people to follow him, regardless of income level. This is very, very important. Because you want to succeed, not because you're rich. You want to succeed because that's a human feeling of superation, of being able to do something greater. And Javier Millet spoke the right things at the right time. And the truth is... And not only Argentina needs him, the whole continent needs him because he emboldens the ideas of freedom. And this is how this country was founded. And this country is also infected by socialists and socialist ideas, which only do one thing, hurt what made America a wonderful place.
0: Yeah, you mentioned a specific word, hope. And that is true for young generations my younger kid started getting some hope with Javier, and many other kids are cheering for him to do the right thing for the country. And going to the disruption thing to tennis, what do you think is happening right now in the tennis field? Well, tennis has the problem of the status quo. Now, we have
1: to remember what the status quo means it means nothing changes and we keep the status because we're afraid of something new. Now, if you think about the economy globally, how there's really no borders anymore, how everybody can talk to anybody. You could work from your home, you could work from your car, everything is changing. But everything changes at a speed. Let's call the speed is five. Well, tennis to catch up has to change at least at the speed of four. But tennis is not changing. So what happens is the people that control tennis, the Grand Slams, the ITF, the ATP, the WTA, they're not changing fast enough to be able to understand and have a product that people want to buy today. And so what they're doing is they're fighting amongst themselves, thinking they can figure everything out. They can't. And that's why they are actually, instead of being closer to solving the problem, every day that goes by, they're further away. Let me give you an example. Whenever I go to a company, I tell them, your systems are terrible. You need to change everything, computerize. They have a system that works. There's no need for them to change it. But here's the problem. If they don't invest today, let's say $10,000 to fix the system, tomorrow it costs 20000 and the day after it costs 50,000. So if today you can fix the problem for a cost of $10,000 and that is let's say that's 10% of your revenues, tomorrow or the day after it's not 10, it's 100,000 which is all of your revenues. So this is the problem with tennis. Tennis is too slow, too late, managed by the wrong people under the wrong idea and it needs to change faster. Now Make sure you understand. I'm not saying change how you score tennis. No. What I'm saying is change how tennis is consumed so people actually want to watch it and see it, or even if they don't want to watch it, they play it.
0: Yeah, for me, it's very difficult to watch a whole match. And, and it's difficult to get kids involved in sports because it's a tough sport and you have other things to do. And talking about system is like a coaching class because... I'm thinking about the system of my company. I have to change them. Tons of wisdom in this conversation. And I'm talking about tennis and the leadership right now from Novak Djokovic and all the things that he has to overcome against the crowd, against the ATP. Why do you think that he has to face such adversity? Tennis under Novak Djokovic,
1: he is the one person who could make a big change if he's bold enough. Now, he is undoubtedly the best player on record. He's beat Nadal and he's beat Federer more times than they played together. He has 22 grand slams. He's probably gonna win one or two more. He's 36, but is actually two years younger professionally than Nadal, meaning he's four years younger, right? And therefore, he could probably play till 38 and win four or five more. What he has to do is understand his place in history, I think, and that is to be bold and change the status quo. Because the status quo is going to try to stop him by doing all those changes which the ATP is doing right now. They're trying to give, they're, they're doing everything they never did while he was there working with them. And this is, again, the status quo. They don't know how to capture. The people and they're trying to do everything possible. So Novak has to use his power, his number one status, to actually change the system. And the way you do that, you don't do it because of the players, you do it for the game. Because the game is better than all of us. You see, nobody cares about the player. Personally, I don't care, but I care about the game. Right? And if there's somebody who plays the game magnificently, I want to go see him, because I know how hard it is. So the number one driver has to always be something big. And being number one is big for him. I don't care. I want tennis to be big. And that's why he needs to pivot to making the game important. And as a consequence of that... He will get the players to be well compensated, the right tournaments, side with Saudi Arabia. I think he should side with Saudi Arabia because there is no other way to change the system unless you push.
0: Yeah, caring about the game and all your articles are very focused about how the USDA run tennis. And in your latest article, you have five core principles that most business used to pursue their goals. Can you expand on that? Sure. The problem with tennis in the United States is that of
1: governance. Uh, Shareholders, if I want to buy, I cannot buy the USTS. I cannot buy a share. I cannot be a part of the, I can't, unless I'm invited or selected. In any board, in any part of the world, every board member represents somebody's interests. Somebody who has 10% of the shares, 20%, whatever percent. At the USTA, they represent nobody. The board members represent nobody. They are hand-picked by the people who run the USTA so they can do what they think is important. Now, here's the problem with the leadership at the USTA. And I'll explain the list, which is called the A-list for good governance. The number one is A, which means accountability. That means what is what are they accountable for? They think they're accountable to have more sales of U.S. Open tickets. No. no that's, that's somebody else's business. The business is growing the game so more people play, more people buy tennis balls, more people buy tennis lessons, more people buy coaching, and more people play tournaments. This is what's important. But they don't account for that. So they do not track that. Therefore that what they're doing actually is hiding this information in the country that has 330 million people and 60 million kids the age of playing so you can't do that then comes leadership leadership means stating in front of the people of the USTA and saying tennis is not growing what are we going to do you don't say tennis is growing in minorities by 30%, and nowhere can you see this is true. I can take you to my parks. I live in Miami, Florida. 85 degrees every day. All the high schools have four tennis courts. All the condos have tennis courts. Parks, lots of tennis courts. Nobody uses them. So leadership is important. So integrity. Integrity means, like in tennis, the ball is in or the ball is out. If the ball is in and you call it out, you got a problem. However, if you're the leader of the most well funded organization, if you can't call a ball that is out, in, or in, out, you got a problem. And this can't be. It's as simple as that. The problem is the USTA leader has never played tennis in his life, he doesn't know tennis. So this is another problem. Transparency. Transparency is really important because if you know what you're doing, you show what it is that you're doing. And if you show what you're doing, people will follow you or they won't. So if you deceive people by not saying what you're doing, well, you're not being transparent. And that's a problem, right? And the last one is stewardship. Stewardship is how are we being taken to this right? This is how I think. I think the CEO is like a captain of a boat. So he has to tell you, come on in. We're going to go from here to there. And we're going to do these things. And th- these are our stops in this trip. If they focus only on the U.S. Open and focus and price it so high that it's so expensive to go, and so the only people that can afford to go are the companies that pay the tickets, and so the people going there, yes, they fill the stance, but they're not tennis people. And so this is a problem. And if you have this problem in America, which has the most courts than anybody, which has the biggest and highest income middle class than anybody, which has the lowest prices of tennis rackets, tennis balls than anybody,
0: the sport is doomed to fail everywhere else yeah, by default. That's, that's a great point, point. and according to your point of view, what assets brings to a person playing tennis, and what are the couple of things that you will do to grow the game? Well, I think there is nothing more important
1: than to have our kids play an individual sport. The reason is, is that if you study how kids are going to be employed, whoever is listening, Anybody under 30 is gonna have by the time they're 40 eight or nine jobs. Most people our age, and none has two or three jobs, don't have eight. So they need to adapt. So if you learn tennis, not to be a champion, I'm not I don't want champions. I want people to play tennis so they understand you're gonna fight every day. Every point better be good. Put your heart. You may win. You may lose. There's always somebody better than you. Always. But at the end of the day, you have to win with your average game and your best game. And you got to learn how to make decisions. I think if you learn this by the time you're 18, you're in a wonderful position to help your business, your career, your family, your country, whatever. I don't think another sport teaches you. Tennis is called physical chess for a reason. You got to think while you're running and playing. And this is not easy to do. However, the system teaches people be the champion. I disagree completely. The system has to teach people to play tennis so they enjoy
0: it and then they learn it. And therefore we have better people all around. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of things that are important that I I never listened before. It's a physical chess tennis game. Uh, That's the first time I listened to that. And then the important thing is you have to win with your average game. And that is important in business because we are not always at our peak and every day we have a challenge. And what are the things that the associations or federation can do to grow the game? The first thing that needs to be done is to increase
1: participation because the participation makes you understand how good those people on TV are. If you don't play the game, if you don't know it, you don't think anything of it. But if you learn how to play, you will realize that what they do is magical. So when you look at Djokovic play, you don't think if you don't know tennis, you think nothing. Well, try to hit a few balls like he can and you'll realize that he's out of this world or Nadal, or Serena Williams, or any of these people that are just nothing short of exceptional. But it's hard to judge exceptional if you've never tried it. So there's only one solution for tennis, and not only in America, all over the world. There's only one solution, and that is increased participation. That's the only solution for everything. Because if you increase participation, you create a tennis economy. There's jobs for coaches, there's jobs for the clubs, there's jobs for people. The U.S. Open creates no jobs for nobody. Yeah,
0: yeah. increased participation, it looks very tough nowadays. And what do you think about these sports that compete with tennis like Paddle or Pickleball? Paddle is a very fun game. It is a good
1: game and it is intense because it's bigger. Pickleball is an easy game to pick up and just enjoy a few moments outdoors. The problem with these games is that especially pickleball, they're taking over unused real estate. And clubs are closing down tennis courts to have pickleball courts. So the problem is is for tennis is very very dangerous, which is that since tennis is skipping generations, right? Therefore, a young mom, 35 or under 35, doesn't play tennis, doesn't know tennis, will pick up pickleball, and so will their kids, and therefore tennis becomes even too complicated, nobody wants to deal with it, and therefore tennis as a product is being priced out of the market, it is wrongly sold, it is just wrong, and that's why it can't work. This is why the ATP is going to Saudi Arabia to get some money so they could sustain what they're trying to do. No. If we increase the sport in America, you could probably get more people and more tournaments here. Saudi Arabia may have the money, but they don't have the interest. It's the wrong goal.
0: Okay. Let's say that you have a phone call and next Monday you are the USDA CEO. What are the first couple of things that you perform? If
1: I'm the CEO, first thing I would do is I would call for a meeting and make a call all the 17 sections. And I would ask this question for all the leaders. Tell me what you have done that has increased the game in the past 10 years or however long you've been there. Then tell me where do your revenues come from? And if you can answer those two questions and, and then you can conclude. Because the conclusion of that question is they don't generate enough money to be able to self-sustain. So rather than trying to convince them, they gotta see this themselves, right? That's the first thing I would do. The second thing I would say is, the solution is to grow the game, and the solution is to increase participation, and the way to do that is to create value for parents. Because if you don't create value for parents, who's gonna be your customer? Those people that are too old. So then we gotta decide what to do, how to do it, and well that that takes a couple of hours to explain.
0: Yeah, value to parents, and you have a, a very similar formula than Millet to hold accountable all the people. And you've been in a new project writing a new book. Can you tell about what it is about? Yeah, this book it's called
1: Fifty Years and a Cuban Expresso. And this book, which I expect to finish by June. At the during the the COVID, I always try to make a good Cuban coffee like the Cubans do, and they they usually use a very cheap coffee machine, cost five dollars, and they make delicious coffee. I make delicious coffee with the thousand dollar Nespresso machine, which doesn't count. So I try to do it right, and and what I learned is that. If you don't pay attention to the details, and we've always been told, pay attention to the details, but that doesn't mean much. Well, I learned that I could never make the coffee the way the Cuban lady that helps us here in our house could make it. Until I realized that I wasn't paying attention to all the details. Sometimes the size of the spoon was correct. The water was cold. Sometimes the water was different. Sometimes I used a different range. I didn't use the same sugar. The point is this. If you pay close attention to the variables, to the variables, and then you clearly identify that these variables have variables amongst themselves. For example, if you pick the spoon, sometimes I would pick one spoon, but it wasn't the right specific spoon, right? So if you break down and use this logic of paying attention and break down things in variable, invariable, right? Or fixed, right? You will be able to, Be so smart in the details that nothing can go wrong because you have the ability to think in those two ways and solve any problem you wish. Anything, anything you could solve with this. That's the the key of the book.
0: Hey, can't wait to read it. And you are very prolific in the writing. For sure, you have a writing process. Can you share it with the audience? Yes, I... I
1: write because, and this is a good story to tell. When I became a citizen, I'm from Bolivia. When I became a citizen, I became a citizen in 2002 in Boston, in Faneuil Hall. Faneuil Hall is the Liberty Hall where the Americans were actually congregated to fight the British. So it's a beautiful small hall in Boston. And I was there with a whole bunch of other immigrants and the judge said to me, you, sir, and I said, yes, ma'am, what's your name? Javier Palenque. Where do you come from? Bolivia. And she said this to me, remember this day, don't forget this day. Today, I want you to remember, bring the best out of Bolivia to help our country. And if you ever find that we are failing our country, Remember today, it means your country's calling you to make it better. So, to answer your question, why do I write? Because I feel that tennis can help a lot of people. I feel tennis is so well-funded that it can help a lot of people. And I use it and I, I write as a as my community service to because this is an idea bigger than tennis. This is an idea of making our country what it was, great. I succeeded in this country, I made a lot of money, lost a lot of money. The point is this, if we don't leave the country better off when we leave, we haven't done our duty. And the reason I write is because I want tennis to be left for our younger people better off than it is today. And my process is every day, what can I do to make that mountain move? Now. My, my kids say to me, you're never going to move a mountain. I say, yes, you can.
0: Yeah, your kids aren't as persistent as you. And you have a great way of living. And before last question, where can people find you on social media? You can find me in LinkedIn. Uh,
1: you'll see articles. I try to write every day at five in the morning for a little bit. You could also find my articles in Medium, but Medium charges you to read. And, you know, you could text me or email me. If it's tennis, I will always help no matter where you are in the world. For one simple reason. I've never been happier in my entire life than when I was playing tennis and I wasn't that good. But I think everybody deserves to feel that because I feel that in business, tennis has helped me. A lot
0: in my life. And I don't think that should be exclusive. I think everybody should know. Yeah. In fact, we have to play a couple of sets, Javier. Because you're an amazing person. You're kind of a friend to me where I can rely when I have something to ask. And the last question is about what's your big dream? Not regarding day to day, but something bigger. I would like... You see, it's a good question.
1: Here's I'm from Bolivia. You're from Argentina. Whoever listens, listens. You didn't choose to be born in Argentina. I didn't choose to be born in Bolivia. If I had a choice, I would be born in America, obviously. I had a choice, and I came here, and I became a U.S. citizen. But I believe we are born what we do. The nationality that we choose is the nationality that we love to do. So I believe I am a tennis republic citizen, and so are you. And so what I wanna do, is I wanna create a big country throughout the world where tennis citizens like you and me can get together, can play, can enjoy our lives by sharing something in common. Just like America has the idea of freedom, well, we have the, uh, the, the idea of playing tennis to our level. I could beat you, you could beat me. That's not the point. The point is what brings us together is the feeling and love for something common. And in this case, every tennis player chooses to be a citizen of the Tennis Republic.
0: Yeah, that's a great vision. And I want to be the president, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> tennis citizen, and we have a president Uh, We have a chairman, so thanks for the conversation, Javier, thanks for your wisdom and the ideas you are sharing, and you are fighting for your ideas, and that's a great way of living. Thank
1: you, Hernan, and I hope people find it. If you want to reach me, please, jpalink at yahoo.com or go to LinkedIn. If it's tennis, count me in.
0: Thanks, Javier, for the conversation. You're welcome. Bye-bye. What a great guest we had today unique content. If you like it, resonate with it, or find information in this episode valuable, please leave a review or share it with a friend. See you in the next episode.